What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TamMBaseballFan.com. Hope everybody's having a great day out there. It's uh, Friday, and so I hope uh, everybody's weekend uh, goes well. Uh, I have been really kind of thinking a lot about an interesting subject about how important the, the serial number is to people. Uh, there's a couple, uh, couple examples uh, that I want to give, and it was really kind of spurned on by a, an absolute monster of a card that was listed uh, about a week or so ago. And uh, you know, it's kind of frustrating. You have the seller uh, that <laughs> that put up something and there's no best offer, there's no auction or whatever. It's just a uh, super high buy it now. And that was it. It was just sitting there, you know. And uh, <laughs> And so obviously that causes a lot of people to kind of go scrambling and say oh no you know reaching out hey what's the best you can do for this and uh you know hey can I offer this uh what about that what about the other it's really kind of a funny thing um <laughs> but uh, it's funny because uh I guess it wouldn't be so funny if if I were you know really kind of chomping at the bit for it myself but um anyways it's a uh, it's a 2000 uh, upper deck game jersey patch and it's a one of one of Kinseiko and it is a just an incredible card uh, really really neat and uh, I know that there's going to be a handful of people are clamoring over it. it's interesting though that they have a buy it now price of ten thousand dollars and it boasts as being uh, uh, his best card ever or best patch card ever I think is what the seller has it at and uh, it's uh, nearly priceless, I think, is what the what the listing says. And uh, I've seen this card like in very tiny uh, screenshots from like for years and years and years. So its uh, uh, reputation precedes it for sure. And uh, it was just uh, kind of one of those jaw-dropping, uh, heart-stopping moments when it was posted. And so. Uh, now there, there are two one of ones, by the way, in this, uh, in the set. One of them I think is hand numbered one of one on the back with a different picture than the regular, uh, set, uh, the regular run of cards. The other one, this one actually has one of one printed on the front and has a completely different, uh, picture, uh, from the other one of one and the regular production, uh, run card. So it's a very special card. It's got a nice patch. It's got like this ribbed kind of, you know, dare I say delicious looking green. You know, really, really kind of a neat, neat card. And, you know, to make things even more interesting uh, is actually Kinsego's first patch. Uh, so, it's, so it's basically Kinsego's first uh, one of one patch card, which is really a, a neat deal. Uh, so uh, obviously it's... Uh, something that you know anybody that collects Kinseiko cards would absolutely love uh so you know the question is that i've had some people say like well you know tanner why aren't you going after this well that's kind of the reason or what made me think about starting this uh this one episode is i actually have uh in 2000 upper deck game jersey patch of Kinseiko that i like a lot more uh, and there's a lot of people out there that are hearing this, probably thinking, what? 
the one of one is out there. Why would he like a regular version better? Well, the reason is all in the little square inch of real estate on the front of the card that houses the patch material. Uh, it is uh, the best patch that I have ever seen on that card. So uh, I would venture to say that it is quite possibly the best patch of his first, uh, you know, first patch card uh, run. And so for me personally, uh, that is way more important than the serial number. Now, with that said, uh, I do find this interesting because uh, there are uh, a healthy amount of people out there that would uh, rather the one of one. Um, I, in fact, I might be in the in the vast minority. I don't really know. Uh, you know, so and to give you an idea, uh, give you a little bit of an example of. Uh, of what my uh, what my patch is, it's actually a part of the logo of the Devil Rays logo. I think it has like an R and an A or something, or a D and E. I, I don't remember exactly what it is, but uh, it's uh, it's incredible. It's one of the best patches that I've ever seen of Conseco ever. Um, and it goes to show you, it's interesting because Upper Deck uh, just figuring things out uh, as far as you know putting patches and all that sort of thing in. Uh, you know, they, <laughs> they definitely should have put, uh, paid, you know, paid more attention to what patches go into what cards. Both the one of one uh, Kinseiko cards uh, are decent enough, but I've seen a handful of the regular patch cards that have patches of Kinseiko in there for that same year that are better than the one of ones. The, the patch content of the regular release cards is better than the one of ones, uh, which is absolutely wild to me. Um, but I mean, we have nearly a quarter of a century uh, worth of time to look back and think about that, right? Uh, back then, you know, they probably weren't thinking too terribly much about that. They were thinking, well, uh, you know, patch is a patch um, because we were uh, really accustomed to just having white jersey swatches or whatever um and you know the patch idea was you know really kind of new and uh, even the production of the cards like every single uh 2000 for that game jersey patch card that i've seen has had some sort of like residue around the around the edges which is pretty interesting as well uh just part of the you know production process and upper deck trying to get everything right and uh <laughs> so it's kind of a kind of a funny thing but uh, the whole reason for this episode of the podcast is, uh, it, you know, it just kind of poses the question, what is most important to you? The actual card and the contents therein or finish or whatever, parallel, or the serial number? Um, for me, in this instance, obviously the, uh, the patch content is most important to me. Uh, now, I'm very thankful for that. I actually did a deal on this like uh probably uh i want to say a year ago a buddy of mine who's a super collector as well i uh, traded the moon and stars for it yeah because <laughs> uh because this uh card means so much to me but um uh you know it's uh it's something that if i didn't have this card i would just die for you know that other one for the other card that uh that's on eBay right now, and I probably would uh, try everything in my power to get it. But because I do have one that I like better, I'm going to completely uh, lay off on this. 
So, uh, you know, I know there's some people that are probably interested, but you know, what other cards out there um, are there that uh, I would choose the regular version or a less rare version over the more rare version? I'll tell you a few of them. One thing I find actually pretty interesting is this. My absolute favorite uh, base card, as far as the looks wise goes, is 1999DX Century. And guys, like if you haven't seen it before, uh, look it up. They are beautiful. Uh, the EX cards, they are always amazing. They've got like, they're very, uh, when you put them up against other cards from that time period, it's just like they are, you could tell that there's a lot more ingenuity that was put into these pieces. Uh, they have different layers. There's some that are, you can see through part of them, uh, other parts you can't, uh, like they're just next level uh, things. It's like you, it's like the heart and soul of 90s inserts and parallels. You can see what they're doing. They are uh, born out of a time of uh, card competition and that's really kind of, it really comes across very well, especially with these EX cards. And so uh, in 97, you had like a regular version. Then you had, I don't remember exactly what it's called. I think it was called Credentials. And so the Credentials version was number two, 299 if I remember correctly. Uh, and then you have the Essential Credentials, which is number 299. Now, the essential credentials, uh, number 299 just, you know, sold like for really pretty penny. Like it was very high, very expensive. And it's a beautiful card, guys. Like it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, and my favorite. So the, the rarest one of that is my favorite. So 98 uh, EX, I, I think it's called EX. I think that's what the base is. Um, they have a uh, future and a now. Uh, version both of those parallels they are gorgeous like they are my favorite uh, of those parallels for all years um, which I mean they're just absolutely amazing I love seeing them what's kind of funny is uh, I had known that they existed for years right and uh, but they were like in scans and they just looked you know ugly <laughs> they didn't really look good I mean the scans don't really pick them up too well and so I knew I wanted them because I didn't have them, but when I first laid my eyes on them, I think one of them was like a uh, Cal Ripken Jr. Uh, version, and somebody took a picture instead of a, uh, a scan. I go, oh my gosh, that is like the most beautiful thing ever. So I ended up really pursuing hard, like super hard, the two, uh, the now and the future for the Conseco, and like, wow, I mean, it's incredible incredible cards and so moving forward the 99 which is what i'm talking about now it's more applicable to this uh uh to this episode is the 99 ex century and the now and the future versions the now and the futures are serial numbered to 54 and 67 uh, and then you have the base card and here is the rub the base card in my opinion is uh, way, 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 way nicer than the parallels, which is wild, right? Like you would think that they would have the parallels to be the, 
uh, the nicest looking ones. I mean, that's what the standard protocol is, it seems like. And that's what EX had been doing for the previous uh, few years. Not this time. Not this time. They, uh, they used the base card as the most beautiful version ever. That base card were super low, ser low serial numbered. That might be a, uh, a blockbuster of a 90s card right there. So, you know, that's another, uh, another example of, you know, me liking a card, uh, regardless that there's, uh, you know, a rare version of it or whatever. Another kind of funny thing, uh, which just happened, I actually did a, a YouTube video on a buyback Ray Rookie uh, Kinseiko that I used to have. And this was years ago. I had somebody just comment on my YouTube channel saying that they would rather have the real deal uh, instead of presumably the the buyback. <laughs> so there's a, there's some people that are hardcore about this stuff apparently too, where they're like, nope, I don't want anything outside the original, which is, you know, I can respect that. I can understand it. Even though it was like a fully licensed, uh, you know, produced Donner steel, you know, through and through. But, but no, there's some people that, you know, hey, they like their uh, A6 Donruss uh, Ray Rookies uh, just as if they came out of the pack back in 1986. And, you know, like I said, I can completely respect that. Now, there are a slew of other, uh, you know, different types of uh, cards and variations I can give uh, in terms of examples. Uh, but, you know, to go back to the 2000 Upper Deck Game Jersey patch, um, that's, a, that's a very uh, close one for me. Uh, it's something that uh, is a card, the one of one is like a mythical status because it is recognized by Upper Deck as the one of one. And, uh, you know, it's really kind of a kind of a neat thing. And probably uh, if you had to pick between the two uh, one of ones that were out there, you probably want to go for the one that uh, that's up there now, I think. Uh, because it's got the printed one of one on the front and uh, the patch quality is probably similar in both of those one of ones. I do like the one that's up on eBay now better just because I like the green. Um, but, uh, but they're both really nice cards and you know you can't uh, go wrong with either. But with that said, the, I think the one on eBay now is like a series one. I think that might be the first one or whatever. Uh, I mean, but <laughs> really complaining about either one of them is like complaining that, you know, you, your Ferrari has like, is like the wrong color red or something, right? Like <laughs> it doesn't matter. It, it just doesn't matter. It's just like a little extra, a little extra of, uh, you know, kind of a neat thing there, uh, to have this card. So this card is, is really special and, uh, it's one of those things where, like I said, I think I'm more thankful than anything that I'm not bitten by this bug to get this one um, it would just be redundant for me and in my collection I would see it as a number two in that set instead of as the definitive one and like I said I could very well be in the minority of this thinking this way but I'm a-okay with it that's uh, that's uh, that's the beauty of being able to uh, you know collect and collect for yourself and uh, you know to uh, pick up cards that make you happiest, not anybody else. So, 
anyways, that's where I stand on that. Um, it'd be kind of fun to hear from you all what other cards out there uh, are uh, interesting to you regardless of the serial number and maybe in spite of there being a uh, rarer version of it out there. That'd be kind of fun. So I do want to end up by, uh, by kind of answering a couple emails. I'll get email questions uh, all the time. And so I thought it'd probably be kind of fun to respond to them here. Uh, so one of them was uh, somebody wrote and reached out and they said, you know, they actually just got back into uh, collecting again. And uh, they said that they had, uh, you know, a bunch of complete sets. Like they, they defined the relationship, they defined the cardboard relationship. So DTCR <laughs> as it were. And they said, they're going to uh, collect from uh, I think from the 70s to the mid 80s, probably their childhood. I would accept. I would expect. And uh, so I thought that was kind of a kind of a really neat thing. I love hearing people's different parameters on how they collect and why, because there's always a, a wonderful story behind each thing. And uh, you know, love hearing those too. And uh, anyway, so uh, he pointed out a number of sets that he had. He said, "Listen, I've got." Uh, you know, 84 Fleer Update, I've got 84 Tops, I've got 85 Tops Traded, a 6 Tops Traded, along with a handful of other sets. And he said, if you were me, what would you do? Would you go for the complete sets, um, all like all the way straight through? Um, and, you know, so obviously that would uh, really kind of dictate what I would do with these, uh, with these sets I have here. Um, so which would you do? Would you keep those and build on by uh, collecting the other sets or what would you do? And so I said, so here's what I would do. I would first of all look at these sets and, and looking at this from the lens of I've already been there <laughs> when I first came back to the hobby uh, as an adult. I was trying to collect every single set and I noticed two things. Number one, it was taking up a lot of space. And number two, I never looked at them. I just didn't look at any of the cards. And so uh, ultimately I sold everything, of course. I mean, how many times have I sold everything I had? Like I've done it over and over and over again. Uh, so, which I think probably the most fun about this with the 80s cards is you could do this over and over again and not worry about never being able to get them back. I mean, I'm sure the price might increase a bit, but if they're raw, I'm probably not gonna have to worry too terribly much about them increasing too much so uh, in that in that light what I told them was I said I probably uh, pull out the cards that I like the most a4 flare update means I would pull the Clemens Puckett and Gooden 85 tops uh, or 84 tops I'd pull out the Mattingly uh, 85 tops I'd pull out the McGuire uh, the Clemens, the Puckett, maybe the Hershiser also. Um, A5 tops traded, I wouldn't pull anything. <laughs> so that's a good example of, uh, of not needing something from every set. Same, go, same goes with the A6 tops. I wouldn't, I don't think I would take anything out of that. A6 tops traded, pull out the uh, Barry Bonds, Kinseko obviously, the Bo Jackson, probably the Will Clark, maybe the Kevin Mitchell. And, uh, you know, so and just 
and, and you know so there you have a handful of sets that you've reduced basically down to 10 cards or so 10 15 cards and you can put them in a binder probably more apt to uh, go through and enjoy a binder full of cards like that as opposed to an entire binder of 1986 tops where you have you know an airbrushed Tom Seaver card or uh, uh, you know whatever else is in a6 tops I, I don't remember completely everybody that's in there uh, but there's because there's not really a whole lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of rookie power in there I mean you've got of course the the Ripken and the uh, you know Clemens and the Ryan and the Puckett and you know Gwen and Sandberg and Mattingly so you've got all kinds of the you know regular stars that are you know in pretty much all the sets back then but nothing that really hits hard Unless you go into grading, there's some PSA 10 cards at A6 tops that are like ridiculously insane. I think I actually did a video on my channel about that, youtube.com forward slash Tamman Baseball Fan, if you want to take a look. But yeah, I think there were, <laughs> I think there were some like commons or something like that in PSA 10 for A6 tops that were reaching a thousand bucks or something. I could be remembering that wrong, but I don't think so. <laughs> I think that's, uh, I think that's actually the case, which is wild to me. <laughs> I will never get that. I will never understand uh, the allure of having um, everything in PSA 10 when a card that's worth a tenth of a penny raw can go for $1,000 in PSA 10 format. Now, I will give a caveat to that though. I do understand once you get bitten by a bug of wanting to, uh, collect something and go for it. I know that's sometimes for some of you out there that have this bug, uh, you can't think of anything else. <laughs> and so you've got to go for completion. Plus it gives you something to do, which is fun. Uh, something to, to go for. So uh, A6 Tops is not my thing. Um, I would not mind getting a set of A6 Tops or a box of A6 Tops again at some point and hold on to it like that. But, you know, I mean, as a Display piece in PSA 10 format, mm, not really for me. But uh, another thing I suggested though also is to, uh, is to consider possibly uh, pulling out all of the cards of your favorite team from these uh, from these sets. And that way you can run a, have a nice fun team run or maybe the team sets and the star cards that you wanna keep. And it doesn't have to obviously be rookies. Like let's say for example, you do like ASIC stops and you don't care about just rookies. So that means that you pull out the uh, A6 Mattingly, Clemens, Puckett, Ryan, um, you know, whoever else is in there. So obviously that's uh, the beauty of this whole thing. You can actually set whatever parameters you want. You can collect for you. You can uh, get excited about it as much as you want. And, uh, you know, if you pull out every single star card in an A6 top set, you might be two dollars poor you know <laughs> so that's the that's the great thing about the junk wax era as well uh it's a lot of it raw is not going to cost you too terribly much certainly not nearly as much as a uh, patch one of one card that is for sale for ten thousand dollars which you know mind-boggling to me but you know everything these days in this uh, hobby is mind-boggling to me <laughs> you know i think a lot of the the prices have gone crazy uh and you know to to go down that route uh you know i know a lot of newer stuff has been 
slowing down and softening in price, but let me tell you guys something. Vintage is going strong. Like there's a, <laughs> there, I have a buddy that actually uh, sold his 1915 Cracker Jack uh, Ty Cobb because it wasn't really moving in price. And I think it was like a, mm, oh, I don't know, $15,000 car or something back then. Uh, and uh, what happened about a week ago is that 1915 Cracker Jack Ty Cobb sold for like $44,000. Like nutty money. Like it's insane. Um, now, <laughs> I will say this also. There's a lot of these like wild uh, RPAs of uh, football and basketball that are going for stupid money that dwarfs that kind of money right there. But, you know, if that's beyond me, I don't even really... I would just be speaking out of my depth if I <laughs> said anything else about it. Uh, so it's kind of kind of wild to think about all that stuff. But in any event, I think uh, there are some uh, sections of the of the hobby that are uh, they're softening, but I think there's also some sections that are doing really really well. And there are people that are still uh, gung ho and in love with this hobby. And the benefit of what COVID brought uh, brought us was uh, having a boatload of new people in the hobby i think some are leaving because they're like wait a second i thought everything was supposed to go up forever that is not how it works in any uh hobby or market or industry or anything so <laughs> but uh but in any event there's still a whole lot more now than there was in 2019 and uh it's fun guys it's 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 fun but as i was saying in the past podcast as well you don't have to go after the the $10,000 patch cards or the $44,000 Cracker Jack cards. You don't have to go after that stuff to have fun here. You can go after the $2 star run of Asics Tops and put them in a binder and enjoy them next to uh, their bigger heavy hitters of Asics Tops traded, which might you know set you back 20 bucks if you get raw pieces of the main rookies there. You know, I mean, there's just so many ways you can go about this hobby and uh, I'm reminded of how fun it was to collect all my A's cards when I was a kid and how fulfilling it was to store them and sort them and uh, you know in in my binder and like uh, the frustration of oh I forgot that uh, I didn't have the 90 scorer Gene Nelson so I'm gonna have to re-take out all the nice score A's and you know, uh, allow for one more pocket and, you know, ha how that would be kind of grueling, but fun also because it gives you an, you know, an, uh, another excuse to, you know, kind of pop in your binder and play with your baseball cards, you know, so that's what's always been, uh, been appealing to me. So, but, uh, anyway, that's, uh, <laughs> like I said, I can, I can go on different rabbit trails all night long. So I, I'll go ahead and stop there, but, uh, so yeah, uh, that's uh that's that for the night and as always i certainly do appreciate you all uh listening i hope you all have a great rest of the weekend